indeed uh, a pleasure to be standing here in front of you. I don't know how many of you guys had the privilege of uh, being here last night for worship night. If you didn't, you really missed out. It was an amazing experience. Um, very talented singers, musicians. Most importantly, we were able to see a, a church, a whole sanctuary full of young people just lifting their hearts and their hands to the heavens and just worshiping. It was just great to see that. Uh, Brother John George, he shared from the word of God. It was a powerful uh, word that he had for us. He said he wasn't a preacher, but he definitely preached uh, to my heart. It was a blessing. I had this uh, past summer the, the privilege of having a front seat to a lot of the youth activities uh, the church had to offer this year. Um, it was a blessing after some time because of pandemic. We weren't really able to gather like that. Uh, so we were able to see uh, everyone get together. Uh, the, the young people connect, talking to each other. Hearing the young people after such a long time, uh, not really realizing how old they are. Some of them are talking about college. Some of them are talking about uh, getting married. Some of them are talking about, you know, different things that are going on in their life. And you, you forget how, how much time has passed by. Even last week, uh, I was leading or helping out with uh, Cornerstone Kids. And uh, just when asking the young people if they wanted to volunteer to do something, so many of them had their hands raised. You want to pray? Yes, yes. I want to come forward and I want to pray. And it was just such a refreshing thing to hear, that seeing the next generation just standing up and just wanting to participate. I don't know if how many of you guys know this. I just learned this today. Um, just talking about the next generation uh, since we moved into this church, the person that was dedicated first here is about to get married. Does anybody know who that person is? All right. Becky. She's getting married next week. Uh, she's about to get married. And I look back at, and I think I was a teenager myself when we moved in here. And she was just born. And look at that. In the twinkling of an eye, she's getting married. God is blessing us. God is moving us forward. And there's so many things that he wants us to do through us. This is a week, I think, for most of you, if you're going to college or if you're going to high school, middle school, elementary school, it's back to school week. And back to school week means a lot for different people. If you're a father or mother uh, of a child, um, you have your own set of anxiety and different, different fears and uh, things that, that, that start lurking up inside you if you're a child. You have different things. If you're going to a new school, if you're going to a new class, there's just different things that start unnerving you. And when you think about kids going to school, we, there's a lot that we have to think about. Um, there's anxiety over what may happen in the school, the safety of the children. We hear about all the, the different calamities that happen in schools. Uh, we think about diseases. You know, we're still in the middle of a pandemic. Uh, we hear about monkey, monkeypox. Polio. We, we thought those things were, were done, and here they come back again, and different things every day. Then you think about, what will my child be exposed to in school? What is their friend going to be whispering to them in their ear? What are they going to be looking at on their phones, their devices that connect to everything in the world? What are their teacher's agenda? They're supposed to be teaching math, right? Why are they including other things that make your child think about things that have nothing to do with the topic that they're talking about? What are the things that are going to continue to move them further from the truth that the Bible teaches us? And all these things start stirring up. So normally, when we get stressed, when we're uh, sad or upset, if you're a baby, you have a pacifier. 
if you're a young child, you might have a toy or a, a blanket that gives you comfort. As you get older, like myself, uh, you have comfort foods, start picking out on things you shouldn't be eating. Um, you might have a person that you go to. You might like to go to your dad or mom and sit with them and, and discuss certain things. You remember things from your childhood that give you comfort. Sometimes you think of a Bible verse that gives you comfort. And sometimes you think of a Bible chapter that gives you comfort. With all this in mind, the chapter or the scriptural text that I picked for today was Psalm 23. A psalm that's familiar to every single one of us, I hope. If not, please, please do get familiar with it. It's a, it's a, a psalm that, that we've all learned from, from our youngest age. It's been called the best known of the psalms for its universal theme of trust in God. It describes a comfort that God can provide. A comfort that only God can provide. I don't know what it is that you're looking for in terms of comfort. It might be different from what I'm looking for. It might be different from what your neighbor's looking for. But each of us has something that's giving us anxiety, a burden that we're looking for comfort from. The psalm is written by King David. It says that uh, most of the people that, that have studied this and have given um, you know, information about it says it was David in his mature later days and uh, he reflects back. It's always a good exercise to reflect back on the things that God has done for you. Because sometimes we forget, right? You prayed for something, God delivered you, God gave you something, you forget quickly, you know, God, God's done so much. And sometimes it's good to take stock of all the things that God has done for you. It reminds you that God is still here. God can do things for you today. He reflects back to his, his childhood when he was a teenager or so, when he was a shepherd. He was a shepherd that passionately took care of his sheep. And um, there's a lot of things to, to if you want to study about uh, sheep that you can learn about. They're not the smartest animals. Uh, they tend to wander, um, they, get, they get scared very easily, and the shepherd, their primary job is to take care of the sheep. The sheep are completely dependent on the shepherd. The shepherd provides for them, he takes care of them, he protects them, and this, this psalm is basically a reminder for us to put our trust back in God. If there's anything that you've forgotten or anything that, that you're looking for, this is a reminder as we go through this. I know everyone here is familiar with this, this text, but this is a reminder for us to put our trust back in God. So Psalms 23, first part of the first verse. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is not the shepherd, a shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. So. We know that in the Bible, it talks in many places about the sheep, even in today's songs and different references. I heard a lot of uh, sheep uh, references and shepherd. Um, we know that sheep are something that's, that's owned. It's not a wild animal, like a coyote or a wolf that's on its own in the, in the wild or a lion or a tiger. Um, a sheep is something that's owned. It's a value. It's actually purchased with a price. It was purchased with a, a big price. It was something that was a, a commodity that was traded. Even now, it's something that's valuable. So we all know that God has sent his son to die for our sins. He has purchased us with a price. And if we can acknowledge that, God says that we are his sheep. But there's more in terms of what David talks about. David, he continues and he actually has a, a relationship with God. Even from a very young age, 
he actually nurtured a relationship with God. He, uh, as he was in the wilderness, as he was tending to his sheep, he would have conversations with God. And he grew in his relationship with God. He sang, he danced. So that's what God wants us to be able to do. He wants us to be able to say, the Lord is my shepherd. So he wants us to be able to close, be close to him, have that intimate relationship with him. How much time are we spending with God? I know we, we're here right now, but how much time away from this are we spending to nurture and develop that, that relationship with God so that we can actually say confidently, the Lord is my shepherd. You know, when you introduce somebody to uh, a new person, say, hey, this is my friend. If you don't know him, that's going to be a little awkward. Hey, this is my friend. Oh, wait, I don't remember your name, right? It's, it's going to be a little awkward. You want to have that intimate relationship with the person you're introducing so you can say, the Lord is my shepherd. The next part of this says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. We live here in America, which everything around us basically teaches or, or brainwashes us to want. Even if you're fully satisfied and you have everything that you need, want more. You know, the easiest uh, analogy is the, the iPhone, right? If, if you have the latest iPhone, I know most of the young people have a later version than I do, so I, I'm a lot of times jealous when I see them. But if you have the latest iPhone, what are they pushing? The next release, right? You want to want that. It's not that you need that, that you, you're, you're basically... Uh, the marketing is around you wanting that. If you have a certain car, if you have a house with two bedrooms, and the next want is, what does your neighbor have? That's, that's what we see all around us. It's, it's basically what's uh, in the commercials and what it's teaching us. But the Bible says, I shall not want. All my needs are supplied by the Lord, my shepherd. When you follow the shepherd, you have the assurance that he is your provider. There's nothing that you have to worry about. If you think about back to the analogy of the sheep, there's nothing that the, the sheep have to worry about. Even if they're worried, they're actually not going to be able to get what they need because they're not, they don't have all the resources to do so. So we have to understand that, that our, our needs and everything that we need are going to be provided by God. Verse 2, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me besides the still waters. Sheep, there's a lot of striking similarities, and you'll see a lot of references to, to humans and sheep all over the Bible. And you'll see that in this, um, sheep don't actually know how to calm themselves down. They don't know if they're, they're very busy and they're restless and they have a lot of things going through their, their minds uh, that they have to get things done or go somewhere. They don't know how to calm down. So it says here, he makes me to lie down in green pastures. You would think that a sheep would want to be there. Laying down in green pastures, you can basically take a nap and eat at the same time. So he doesn't, he says that he has to actually force him to do this. A sheep could actually die of starvation if it wasn't led. That's how, that's how um, inept they are in terms of how to uh, get things that they need to do. There are several things that that easily irritate uh, a, a sheep in terms of having them getting uh, to lie down. I've I done a lot of uh, sheep research in the past couple of weeks to prepare for this message. So anybody has any other questions about sheep, let me know afterwards. Um, they have flies, friction, hunger, and fear. Four things that they have to eliminate for them to just be able to lie down, 
the shepherd has to manage this before it happens. If there's flies, you know how flies are, right? We, if a little fly comes around, it's really bothering us, it bothers them too. Uh, friction. If there's any quarreling between the sheep, they can't, they can't calm down. They're restless. And that sometimes bothers us too. If you have like any type of, you know, problems with somebody else, it's constantly stirring in the back of your mind. You don't know how to resolve it. And you can, you're restless. Hunger. We're all, we all have that same, same uh, issue. If we're hungry, we can't calm down in fear. They're easily startled. It says that even like a little rabbit that's much smaller than them jumps out, they're startled. So these are the worries and fears that we have in our minds too. We worry about things that we can't control. We have fears about things that we can't control. The economy, the government, uh, diseases, uh, things that we just talked about in school. We don't have any control. But what the Bible says is leave this to God. He will make you calm down. He will calm your fears and he will give you rest and peace if you trust him. The next verse. He restores my soul. Verse 3. In different translations, it states, he renews or he refreshes. Basically, after life has beaten you up, in whatever way life beats you up, whether you're getting tired or whether you're getting stressed out or whether you're getting frustrated, you're beaten up by life and you need to be restored. You need to be refreshed. Maybe you've messed up. Maybe it's something that you've done that's wrong, that you acknowledge and you repented of. A lot of times, us as humans, what we do is we decide to go to a person that's done wrong. We point that out. You say, by the way, that was really bad. Yeah, I know. That didn't help, but you, you want to be reminded. The next person comes, you know, that was, that was horrible. Okay, that's another word for bad, but I, I get the point. Or you look really tired. You know, they're just acknowledging the obvious. But God says that when you come to him, he restores your soul. He's able to replenish you of whatever you've been emptied about. And I think we sang in the first song here, it's about the parable of the sheep. We see this in the Gospels in terms of the parable of the sheep where God asks the question. He says, you know, as, he's, as Jesus is actually, this is the words of Jesus, and he's making a reference to the sheep. He says, what do you all think about this? There's a hundred sheep, and one of them goes wandering and astray. And the, the shepherd goes after this one sheep into the wilderness and he leaves the 99. He leaves the 99, he goes and grabs the one sheep and he brings him back and he's ecstatic. He's so happy that he brought it back. He says, what do you think about that? That's, that's the question that Jesus is asking that. But right before that, if you read Matthew chapter 18, verses 10 and 11, it says, See that you do not look down on one of these little ones. For I tell you that the angels in heaven always see the face of, the, of my Father in heaven. It's talking about the young people. It says, it says that if one of them goes astray, it is our responsibility to go after them. I know there's, there's been several times, you know, you'll get the comments uh, from different people, maybe within the church or outside the church, or, or you're talking to somebody in the neighborhood, don't waste your time. Don't waste your time on that person. That person is so stubborn. That person is never going to uh, come to your church or never going to open up the Bible or never recite a, a verse or do anything to, to, to be aligned with what you want to do. But that's not what the Bible says. 
The Bible says, even after the one sheep, you should go after. How many times have we picked up the phone or just to even text someone that we haven't seen in a while? I'm not saying that everyone that you haven't seen is, is gone astray, but they're not here. Maybe you want to check up on them to see what's going on. Or if they haven't been here for years or someone that you've known. Or you see a kid on the block and you, you could see everything that they're doing that their parents can't see because their parents are not home. How about stepping into a conversation with them to say, hey, you know, I might have done similar things like this because it's easy for us to forget all the things that we have been restored for, right, as we grow. So it's our responsibility to also look after that lost sheep. And in the Bible it says, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. So keep that in mind as you do different ministries and as you're involved in the church, go after that one lost sheep and remember that God restores your soul. The next part, he leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. So like I said before, the sheep are prone to wander and they get lost easily. It doesn't take them too much. They normally stay with the flock. They don't, they don't go anywhere, but they also have bad vision. So maybe they took a, a long, wrong light, wrong right, and they, they actually got lost somewhere in the wilderness, and they easily get lost. So it says here that if you're led by the shepherd, he leads you in the paths of righteousness. If you, if you follow, if you submit to the, the shepherd, you are led in the paths of righteousness. Obstructions are removed. You are given strength to walk in God's commandment. We have a tendency to naturally go astray. I know during the Lord's table, this is mostly read, that all of us like sheep have gone astray. Just like sheep, we have the tendency to go away from God. We have a natural tendency to go away from God. But when we follow the shepherd... He gives us the strength. He removes obstructions so that he, we can be led in the paths of righteousness. And why is this for us? So that we can get credit? So I can say that I am the most righteous person here? That I am the, the best uh, Christian that the world has ever seen? No, it's not for your merit. It's so that it's for his namesake. To bring glory and display his grace. Glory to God and display his grace. Verse 4, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. This verse describes what I believe to be somewhere that we're closer to, to death. And death is in sight. And it says that in the valley of the shadow of death is not death, it's a shadow of death. In the valley, in the lowest points, on your way there, that you will fear no evil. And look what you're doing here. You're walking. You're not running. You're not screaming. You're not yelling. You're not in a panic. You're walking through the valley of the shadow of death. If you know, you know, shadows are produced because there's light on the other side. So just like that, it just says here, I will fear no evil because you are with me. Even though you're in near death, or death is nearby, death no longer has a sting for a believer, right? We have the hope. We have the hope of eternity. So death is not something that we fear. I was recently with uh, someone who was uh, uh, surviving cancer, and we had 
talked about a lot of things, uh, reminiscing about you know olden days and whatnot. And um, he he said, you know, I have no fear. You know, you guys don't have to worry about me. Worry about somebody else. I have no fear. I know where I'm going. I'm going to go see my Savior and Lord Jesus Christ if I have to leave this world. So don't worry about me. I'm actually fine. I have the assurance. And he said it very boldly and clearly. He said, I'm fine. Don't worry about me. He had that assurance that even though he walked through the valley of the shadow of death, he feared no evil because he knew that God was with him. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. So different places, they, they say this is one instrument. Some places they say it's two different things. A rod, the closest thing I could describe to you is a, a baseball bat. Um, it's, it's heavy, and uh, a shepherd has it to basically beat up any animal that comes near uh, any of the sheep. So if anything comes near the sheep, uh, it has this as a, as a rod. It's going to beat up anything to protect the, the, the wild animals. Um, the staff is basically for correction or discipline or guidance. Like I said, uh, they need a lot of guidance. The sheep need a lot of guidance. If they're going through a narrow way, the staff helps basically guide them so they don't bump into the walls or mountainside and whatnot. The, the best description of this in terms of a rod and the protection is uh, David's description in 1 Samuel chapter 17, verses uh, 37, where he goes up against, he's basically giving his resume about how he overcame uh, a lion attack and a bear attack. So this is the story about David and Goliath, the famous story that everyone knows about and makes reference to. And he's there challenging Goliath. And everyone's asking, who is this guy? His brothers are making fun of him and saying, why are you here? Shouldn't you be back at home taking care of the sheep? He came to deliver food. And now he's saying he wants to challenge the, the giant. So finally, Saul gets attention. This, this word gets back to Saul. And Saul wants to have a conversation with him. And he says, you know, why do you think you could do this? Not exactly, but that's what, that's what he's uh, trying to ask. And the message interpretation of these verses, 1 Samuel chapter 17, verses uh, 34 to 37, where David's giving his resume. And David responds, I've been a shepherd tending sheep for my father. Whenever a lion or a bear came and took a lamb from my flock, I'd go after it, knock it down, and rescue the lamb. If it turned on me, I'd grab it by the throat, wring its neck, and kill it. Lion or bear, it made no difference. I killed it. And I'll do the same thing to this Philistine pig who is taunting the troops of God. God, who delivered me from the teeth of the lion and the claws of the bear, will deliver me from this Philistine. Saul said, go and God help you. He gives his resume. As he was a shepherd, giant, this is not a big deal. I rescued sheep from lions and bears. This is what God does for us. We have a lot of things that we come up against. But the Bible says that regardless of what comes up against us, whatever weapons are formed against us, none of them will prosper. It doesn't say that no weapons will be formed against you. You might have some weapons pointed right at you, but none of them will harm you. That's the assurance that God gives you. His rod and his staff, they come for you. Don't worry about it. You're a sheep. You don't, you don't have what it takes to go to battle with these things. 
he's going to be able to take it. He's going to be able to comfort you. Verse 5. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Again, doesn't say that you won't have enemies. You will have enemies. But look at the calm picture that he, he presents here. I'll pick one of the most common uh, enemies of a, a sheep. Anybody know? Anybody want to shout out an enemy for a sheep? Yes, that's, that's the one that I was thinking of. Uh, the most popular one is coyote. Again, I have a lot of information on sheep if you want to talk to me afterwards. But uh, wolf is the one that we would think of, right? Uh, and think about this. A wolf is surrounding a sheep. The sheep is by itself. And wolf tend to travel in a pack. It's called a wolf pack. And now you have multiple wolves. You surrounded the, the sheep. What is the shepherd doing? He's preparing a table in the presence of the wolves. He's preparing a table. He's putting out tablecloth, napkins, soup bowl, knives, getting steak together, calmly preparing this feast for you in the presence. You're surrounded by your enemies, and he's preparing a feast for you. So think about that. I don't know what the wolf is in your life. Sometimes it's the, the wolf of addiction. It might be the wolf of depression. It might be the wolf of financial woes. It might be the wolf of, um, you know, a bully that's bothering you in your school. It might be a, a neighbor. It might be your boss. And, and a lot of times when the wolves come, they don't come one by one. They come in a pack, right? You have all these things at the same time instead of just, can I just have one wolf? No, you get all of the wolves at the same time. But have the assurance that while these things surround you, you can't handle, you cannot go toe-to-toe -to -toe with these wolves. You don't have what it takes to go against these wolves. But God says, rest on me. Depend on me. I will be preparing you a victory feast while you are surrounded. Because we're going to be celebrating after this. Because the victory is his. You anoint my head with oil and my cup runs over. Uh, we had fasting and prayer here for about, I think, a week or so. And uh, the, the pastor was a professor. He, he went into detail on several things. Um, and he talked about how you have to daily, you have to be daily uh, nourished with the word of God. Every day, the Holy Spirit is available to anoint you. You will need to read the word of God and you need to spend time in his presence and ask the Holy Spirit to anoint you. You have to, you have to put the time in and say, God, anoint me. He's available. The Holy Spirit is available to anoint you. You will see a lot of you are involved, involved in ministry. You will see the power of God in the ministry that you are involved in as you receive the anointing. As you spend the time, you'll see the change happening. If it's in children's ministry, if it's in adults' ministry, or if you're trying to minister to somebody at work or school, ask God, ask the Holy Spirit to anoint you. Anoint your head. Anoint your thoughts. Anoint your knowledge, your wisdom, your understanding. Then you'll surprise yourself in terms of how God is using you to change everyone around you. Some of you know that God is calling you. He's calling you, repeatedly calling you. It's, it's been some time he's been calling you. You're sending him to voicemail. You don't want to pick up the phone. You're going to check that out later. You know what? After I'm done with high school, after I'm done with college, you know what? I'm going to get married. After I'm done raising my kids, 
you know what? I'm going to go and devote myself to God when I retire because that's when I'm going to have enough time to go to Bible school and learn everything I want to do and really answer the call. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says that now is the time that you need to answer the call and receive the anointing. Accept what God has put on your, your hearts and your minds. Accept what God wants to do through you and you'll see what happens. The one thing that sheep actually do well is listen. They actually know their names. When you call their names, they know their names. And when God calls them, the sheep that follows the shepherd, listen. So if God is calling you, listen to what he's putting on your life. And finally, we come to verse 6. You're following the shepherd. You have the confidence. And it says, surely, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Right? With confidence. Surely, goodness and mercy will follow me. And you will be in eternity with God. Like I said in the beginning, like David had done, he reflected back on all the things that had happened to him as a shepherd. And it's good when you get time to do that. Last summer, um, we had the opportunity because we were in a pandemic and both my wife and I were able to work remotely. Uh, we went to Oklahoma for a month. And we worked from there. And as we were there, as we were driving around, because that's where we were immediately after we got married, we were able to reflect on a lot of the things uh, that God has done for us. It had been 20 years since we had been married. And we look back at all the amazing things from the beginning till two decades of God's blessings on our lives. And we were able to say, the Lord was our shepherd. In 2001, uh, I know uh, Becky's going through this now. You know, only the person that's getting married that week realizes the anxiety and everything that, it was everything, did I take care of anything? It's like, you know, is, is the gift box, is the, you know, dresses, everything. It's, it's just floating through your head. And you're wondering, did I delegate this to the right person? And then on top of that, 9-11 happened 11 days before my wedding. So to add to every single chaos, not to diminish how tragic it was, my lens was focused on my, my wedding, and 9-11 happened 11 days before my wedding. So whenever I talked to somebody about, you know, problems that they went through and different things, you know, there was just flights randomly canceled. Nobody really wanted to come to New York at that time. The, the wedding was here. And, you know, a group of brown people assembling in a place was not the, the best idea, you know, for, but it was a wedding, so it wasn't really optional. But even through all of that, we had guests that canceled, speakers that were canceled, flowers, when I, when I hear people say, oh, I didn't get the right color, we were just like, what flowers do you have? Because everything comes through New York City. Um, in, in, in through that, we can say that the Lord was our shepherd. We fast forward eight years, and we just, just, just a lot of things, but, just one other thing, in eight years or seven years, we were um, wanting to have a child. And that was not something that the doctors said was possible. The doctors said this is not possible. This is not something that, that you know, is, is going to be in your uh, timeline for you guys. And I accepted it. I said, you know, maybe this is not something that I deserved. We came here and we talked to pastor. It was actually in that room right there. And I said, you know, I'm, I'm good with it. And then uh, my wife wasn't. Uh, she was uh, very upset and she was crying. And the pastor looked at me and said, you know, how, how dare you make this decision? Did you consult with God? And, I, and at that time, I realized I didn't. I just listened to what the doctor said. We were in the middle of a fasting and prayer. He said, why don't you join that? And to put a long story short, today we have three beautiful children. And God has been 
just such a, an amazing blessing in our life. And through all of it, I can say, the Lord is my shepherd. I don't know what it is that's burdening you today. It might not be what any of the things that I said. Uh, it might not even be the kids going back to school. But whatever it is, your anxiety, your pain, your sleeplessness, whatever it is, put it in the hands of God. He is your shepherd, and he will provide for you. He will protect you, and he will bless you. If we could just close our eyes in a word of prayer. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this time that you've given us to come into your presence. We thank you for your word that you have delivered to your people, Lord. We pray that you help them to receive it, Lord, and to utilize it in their lives. Lord, we thank you for being our good shepherd, for guiding us, for protecting us, Lord. Lord, we are feeble. We are foolish, Lord. We wander. But you have forgiven us, Lord. You sent your son to die for our sins, Lord. And we thank you for every blessing that you showered upon us, Lord. We pray that we seek you, we spend time in your presence, and we look to do what you want us to do in our lives, Lord. We look forward to you fulfilling your promise in each and every one of our lives. And I ask all these things in the precious name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ.